Good morning, seven minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Uh, it's hard to believe, and we just gave you the numbers, David Stockman uh, wrote about this, that uh, we are running up about six-plus billion dollars of debt every day. That's an astounding amount of overspending. Uh, and, of course, uh, because of in inflation... Uh, we're raising it. You know, we have the inflated uh, interest rates to try and control the inflation, which, of course, makes servicing the debt that much more difficult. But wait, there's more because it is beginning to show up in the economic numbers. And I'll explain this in just a minute. Uh, but Kyle sent me a message. He said, in your opinion, what's the best hedge against inflating uh, uh, our currency away? Uh, the largest cryptocurrency exchange is about to collapse. Is gold, guns, and land the only remedy for a currency crisis? Kyle, I I can't dispense any kind of information like that. I'm not uh, I'm not in a, a, you know in a position to do that. If I give you advice and it turns out uh, to not work out, I could be in trouble. I can tell you that. Probably the best thing you can do it. No, let me do it this way. The best thing for me to do is to eliminate as much debt as I can. And in fact, to have some uh, coin of the realm, which would be gold, uh, perhaps, or silver. And also, um, yeah, uh, I would, uh, for me, uh, I would think having plenty of lead. Uh, in the form of rounds of ammunition, uh, very important. Because things could get ugly. And that's, literally, that's where the Democrats are taking us. And and, and the Republicans are not offering the resistance needed um, to to stop this. There is good uh, good news, though, at least on the international front. There is a libertarian president. I, I'm excited about this. Because uh, it might just be, you know, if, if he can pull this off, the place to live. I'll get to that. But let me get back to um, the economy uh, and what the signs are indicating. Uh, retail sales are falling. They slipped 0.1% in October. It's the first decline recorded in seven months. A sign that consumers may not be able to keep up with the the, the frantic pace of spending that we saw last summer. Uh, a negative trend in retail sales could continue as uh, spending intentions among Americans have plummeted. Uh, the index in October showed that on average consumers said they were expecting to spend 18% less over the next four weeks. Uh, they may intend that, they may not do it, but that's what their intention is. But probably one of the most telling signs on the state of the economy is that consumers are less likely to splurge on groceries. A sign that Americans are now looking to cut expenses even in key areas of their budget. Uh, this group, uh, Deloitte, they have a food frugality index. And it rose to 109.1 in October, the highest reading seen all year. Uh, a higher frugality uh, reading signals behaviors like purchasing low-cost ingredients, buying less food uh, than consumers wanted, or slashing their grocery list to just the essentials. You don't do that unless you're feeling the pinch. 
You don't cut back on food for the family unless you're being crushed by the costs. Uh, so those are three signs of where the, uh, the economy is going. Uh, and their financial well-being index over at Deloitte continued to decline uh, in, in the United States, uh, falling from a 12-month low of 93.7 to 90 in October. That reflects consumers' increasing negative feelings about their financial health and future financial security. These are not good signs. Uh, you know, granted, you had uh, uh, Black Friday sales, uh, and, and they're talking about how uh, these uh, sales on the Internet have just exploded. Uh, what's going on with the brick-and-mortar stores? How are they doing? Is this, you know, are we taking from one and giving to the other and saying, look at how great this is? And will they continue to spend past Cyber Monday? Time will tell. But all indications are that we have spent ourselves into oblivion. We have debased our currency uh, and, and that we are literally running ourselves into the ground. And nobody will do a damn thing about it. It really is frustrating. We know where the debt is coming from. We know what's causing this. And yet we won't do anything about it. When was the last time you heard a political candidate talk about spending and our current U.S. national debt? Um, we had a libertarian candidate <laughs> on a few months ago. Well, be, I'm talking about a... Democrat or Republican? Either. Either. Well, you, you know, had, uh, what's her name, um, former Nikki Haley, suggest that both Democrats and Republicans are responsible for the spending Right, but, but we what what to do about it? Yeah, no, she didn't get to that. No, she, she, and they you, never do. The, you can the last person I remember was Ron Paul. Yeah, when he came out and was had his little charts and was talking about how much trouble we were going to be in if we didn't do something about the three big, biggest spending uh, boondoggles. Yes, and since then nobody cares about it. Like, yeah, it's there. Yeah, they're, they're all willing to cut spending, but they're not willing to cut what needs to be cut. They're all talking, you know, they'll talk about pork barrel spending, but pork spending is a fraction of the debt. Tiny fraction. I mean, it is dwarfed by the social programs and military. And did you see where they tried to audit the uh, Pentagon? Yes. And they failed again? Right. They're getting all this money, and they don't, we don't even know where it's going. Even the Pentagon can't identify where it's going. But that's okay. We just keep, we'll just keep voting for the same things over and over, the same people, and expect something to change. Tony is on in Fordland. Good morning, Tony. Good morning. I'm going to pick up where Brian just left off. Uh, the last person that said it was Nikki Haley, and all she said was, we need to go back to the spending levels of 2019. Okay, what good would that do, Gary? Honestly, if we went right back <laughs> to 2019 spending levels, would that solve anything, or would it just put a pause button until we caught back up to it next year? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then and then to top it off, I'm watching the news last night, you know, and and I'm listening to it, and all they're talking about. I can see why people are so frustrated and don't care anymore. Well, it's estimated that consumers will spend $13 billion for Christmas. Okay, so we're in an economic bind, and the government is spending just like everybody else on a credit card that no one knows who's paying for. That's all we're doing. Charge, charge, charge. So if the citizens would spend $13 billion on Christmas gifts in a country of 300, let's just say 350 million for fun. For 350 million people, I don't have a calculator in front of me. It looks a little bit right. That's all I'm saying. And then we turn around, well, why can't they control their spending? Um, you are them, and they are you. And you're all spending like there's no tomorrow. That's just my perspective on that. But, yeah, Nikki Haley was the last one, and her answer was a fail. Complete that's, failure. <laughs> that's why I am so frustrated with voters. We are ultimately responsible. We are the ones who, you know, we're, we're the ones that keep voting for the lesser of two evils or for our favorite social programs, and we don't want anything to change, and we don't want it to crash. Well, you can't have both. Either no, you can't, and you can't say that, well, they're spending money on defense. If you cut defense, you're taking the money out of soldiers' pockets. No, 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 no. We just had the thing where there's a guy that makes armament in Virginia who has been triple charging, and the federal government just fined him $2 million, although he has 32 contracts with the Defense Department. So we're not going to, like, pull him off the list. Sorry, this guy doesn't. No, no, no. We're just going to give him a little fine let him keep doing business with the government. Yes. Stop blaming Chuck uh, Schumer and stop blaming Mitch McConnell. Stop blaming Congress altogether. Start blaming your neighbor because that's who's causing the problem. Not D.C. The swamp isn't there. The swamp is in your neighbor's yard. And they're the ones voting for everything you can't stand. That's all I got, Gary. Have a great day. You had plenty, Tony. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, all right, 874-9390-800-529-5572. We can't go a day without talking about the beauty of battery-powered vehicles. And, uh, Brian, I don't know why you're so upset about this uh, electric oh, bus. Oh, this is really... Oh, it's uh, upsetting. It really is. All right, we'll find out about that next on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network, 1021. And uh, we, we, we couldn't pass this up. Well, Brian couldn't pass this up. Um... Uh, and I don't know what your objection is, Brian. Look, these battery-powered buses. You ever been behind a diesel-powered bus? I have, yeah. They step on the gas and you can hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. Um, so they've I come up I am so with glad that we have finally started investing in electric buses. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's good for the future and the climate. And I don't like bugs, so, you know, this this. So you don't help. want to eat bugs because global warming. Right. Okay. Uh, and then you're concerned about the turtle story we talked about earlier. The right. global warming is supposedly uh, creating a, 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 a paucity of uh, male uh, turtles. Right. So uh, they come up with a battery-powered bus, which is actually good for car sales. Right. And body shops. Okay, people don't understand how this works. Uh, but uh, the story is uh, out of San Francisco. Where apparently this battery-powered electric bus... Google bus. Yes. I, I didn't know Google was into uh, making public transportation. Yeah, they apparently are Apparently they're now. into everything. Um, suffered uh, a, 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 
pretty awful uh, event while attempting to scale one of San Francisco's hill, one many hills. Um, it it just didn't have enough muscle uh, to go up the hill. Couldn't make it, huh? No, no. Uh. And apparently, then um, when when it failed uh, to go further up the hill, uh, it then couldn't stop itself from rolling back down the hill. Oh, just press press on the emergency battery-powered brakes. You should be fine. Well, no, they, they don't work because the, 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 the battery was oh drained. Oh, that's... Oh, man. So it, it rolled backwards down the hill. Uh, it hit uh, two vehicles that it drove into a wide sidewalk. Uh, a vehicle uh, looked wedged between a tree and concrete metal pole. Um, so... <laughs> Obviously, body shops and uh, car dealerships will profit uh, in San Francisco as these buses continue to fail and, and destroy other vehicles. I'm sorry, who thought electric brakes was a good idea? <laughs> Google. Okay. What, Google. what was wrong with the other just manual brakes? You press your foot down and, you know, the car stops or the bus stops. I I don't uh, I don't know. Uh, have they worked in the past? Uh, they have, yeah. Uh huh. All the time. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Well, then I can't you imagine. You have to why replace anybody. brake shoes now and again, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, these people are so crazy. And I, I keep remembering that battery-powered bus in Colombia that uh, caught fire, uh, and uh, uh, the driver and all the passengers streamed out of the bus. Uh, both of them. Both of them, yeah. Streaming out of the bus, yes. <laughs> How crazy is this? Did you see the Chevrolet commercial? Did you hear about this? I have not, no. Apparently, Chevrolet is making a commercial, and it features a woman with Alzheimer's. This is their advertisement. She apparently uh, is in a state where she just she can't remember anything. There's a party going on, and she's sort of staring blindly out the window, uh, and her granddaughter puts her in this old Chevy Suburban that apparently was in the family for years, gives her a tour of the town, and the woman snaps out of it. Now, Alzheimer's is not a very uh, funny, um, it's not a particularly humorous topic, but what do you think about using it to sell cars? Is Is that... Is that offensive? I'll play some of this. It's apparently a five-minute promo, so we can't, you know, we can't play the whole thing, but here it is. She's just staring out the window, deadpan. Well, we got you a present. We hope you like it. No response from Grandma. How is she? Good days and bad, Lars, but uh, the love is always there. More bad days than good? Some days is when she doesn't even recognize me. I'm so sorry, Daddy. So then they, they usher her into the SUV, uh, a Chevy Suburban. Get your seatbelt on. From about 1971. Look at you. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> they 
stop uh, they stuff an eight track tape in the player. And now they're taking a tour of the town. On my shoulders makes me happy. Then they take her all through town uh, to her high school and uh, where she first uh, kissed her husband uh, and she snaps out of it. Is it crass? Or is it okay? It's a it's a beautiful uh, you know piece if it were real. Um, but are they exploiting some? Uh, I don't know, Brian. How do you feel? What do you? So feel? you're saying that this uh, story is made up that uh, in an effort to sell more vehicles? Yes. Wow. I I certainly probably would not have gone down that path. It's uh, just such a devastating disease that uh, a lot of people have had to deal with and to take those people and just make up a story to sell more vehicles yeah it's it's like they're exploiting alzheimer's yeah you're scraping the bottom of the barrel in order to uh you know secure a profit i wouldn't have gone there but that's just me um, you know, some some people uh, responded uh, pretty negatively. Others thought it was okay. Um, Would it have been different if it was a real victim? And say, hey, look what uh, Chevrolet is doing to, you know. you could But, it, but a, it doesn't appear that Chevrolet is doing anything yeah, for people with Alzheimer's. That's what I mean. Um, I haven't stopped you like this. said that, hey, we're going to donate 50% of all vehicle sales to Alzheimer's Association. Maybe. But this just seems pretty crass. Uh, somebody wrote, I haven't sobbed like this since my mom passed away three and a half years ago. She loved John Denver. This may be advertising marketing, but superbly done. So many families are living in this reality uh, and cherish the days where their loved ones uh, were there. Uh, I don't know. I I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have used um, an illness uh, to promote uh, the sale of uh, vehicles. I, it doesn't doesn't strike me as the way to go. Eight seven four ninety three ninety eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. Coming up, the case that could destroy the government. Oh, I like that. Uh, preferred pronouns at the U.S. border and a libertarian president in Argentina. Coming to the United States, he uh, apparently is an economist. And he is a, a libertarian. And he promises to cut the size and scope of government in Argentina. I am thrilled that this guy got elected. Um, he is, uh, literally, he's named his dog after one of my favorite economists. And just, I guess everybody uh, is, is so tired of the spending and the inflation and everything else. Uh, they've finally given up on their two major parties and actually elected a libertarian president. This... This gives me hope. This makes me think there's hope. It's a cheerful story. 
We'll, uh, we'll share that with you next on the Gary Nolan Show. The Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 1035, glad to have you with us, glad to be with you. So we have a, uh, a, a libertarian president uh, in Argentina. And this is, this is exciting for me because it, it gives me hope that Americans could wake up too. And what I thought was, was uh, I mean, this guy is such a fan of Murray Rothbard that he actually named his dog after Murray Rothbard. Uh, this is a guy who's dedicated to liberty. Uh, and he, and, and, and by the way, I was looking at uh, a story about him. Uh, this was, um, um, is this MSNBC? Uh, they, they talk about this uh, new president, Javier uh, Malay, uh, who is apparently coming to the United States. And here's how they describe him. The far-right economist will arrive in New York on a private visit Monday. Every time they mention his name, they, they suggest he's a far-right president, candidate, economist. He is not far-right. He's libertarian. And I, you know, if, if they can wake up, if they can wake up uh, in Argentina... There is no reason we can't wake up here in America. What we need is a good libertarian presidential candidate, someone who looks and sounds the part and understands the, the benefits of liberty. And this country could turn around and it would be, uh, I would argue, the most beneficial election uh, of the last 200 years. So I'm not sure who the libertarians are going to end up uh, having as a candidate. But I hope it's someone who is truly charismatic and likable. Because if they can wake up in Argentina, we can wake up here. If they can do it, we can do it. Their national debt went through the roof. They've got inflation like crazy. Government bureaucracies all over the place. And they got tired of both their major parties and elected a libertarian. And I'm going to tell you right now, the European Union uh, and even the United States government, they're afraid. They are afraid. Because if this guy legitimately does what he said... If he's actually able to reduce government uh, and, and, you know, based on his candidacy, uh, the things he promised to do, this will, uh, this will show the world what freedom can do to a country. You know, they, they call him far right. Uh, they say he's the Argentinian Trump. He is neither. He is neither. He is a libertarian. Uh, and he willingly is telling these people he's, he's not hiding this. He's saying, we're going to cut uh, all this spending. We're going to get rid of these government programs. We're going to get rid of these bureaucracies. I hope we don't have to go as far down the road as, as they did in Argentina to, to get this guy uh, elected, uh, to get a libertarian elected here. But it 
it it just it makes it makes me feel good to know that it can happen. Wow. Imagine imagine if we had a libertarian president. I'll, I'll tell you what I envision. I envision if we got a strong libertarian candidate. And and this is a perfect election cycle for this. If they continue to to fund uh, or to uh, uh, to run two majorly unlikable candidates to the general public. Trump fans don't get upset with me. I'm just telling you, 70% of the country don't want Trump or Biden. You get a good libertarian president, uh, presidential candidate. You have other uh, uh, candidates in the race so that you, you could achieve a victory on a plurality of votes. You could actually see this happen. There are going to be a lot of protest votes this election cycle. If 70% of the population don't like either candidate, a lot of those people are going to go look for someplace else to call home. And it could, it could possibly, and it's a stretch, it could end up with a libertarian winning. I don't think the Greens have a snowball's chance in hell. But I think the LP does. This country would be turned on its ear. And what I think will happen then is it will give Republicans the intestinal fortitude to go along with the spending cuts. And if, uh, you know, and if the Democrats are on board with bringing home the military, it could be pretty amazing. You know, you, you, you top all that off with deregulation of the economy and perhaps getting rid of the income tax. And look out, world. China doesn't, at that point, stand a chance of competing with us for economic strength or even military strength. As much as I'm suggesting that we should cut our military, bring our military home, the resources left over from that would enable us to build the strongest defense and potential offensive weaponry the world has ever known. Is it going to be utopia? No, but it's going to be a whole lot closer to it than the dystopia we're suffering with now. We, we can't continue on this path. We cannot continue on this path. So this gives me hope. And I know I've heard from a lot of uh, a lot of listeners who have switched both from Democrat and Republican to Libertarian, and that gives me great pleasure. And, and, and frankly, even if the Libertarians just play a strong role and make the Democrats and Republicans recognize how much people want freedom and that they can't win without us, well, that'll help bring them around to smaller government. By the way, speaking of smaller government and uh, waking up Democrats, uh, Elizabeth Warren has awakened to the downside of Obamacare. And I'm not kidding you. Uh, it's not like a, you know, a stretch or a vague response. She realizes that what Obamacare did was drive up the cost of health care. I'm sure her solutions for the problem and mine are entirely different. But I'll get to that in just a few. On Libertarians, Dave, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. 
Good. Well, I heard you talking about a libertarian presidential uh, candidate. Do we have a strong candidate, like a senator, that's a libertarian? Uh, you mean a, a Republican right now that's libertarian? What? Or, uh, yes, yes. Uh, we've got a couple that are close. We've got a couple that are or, or close. Paul uh, would be one, I guess. Yeah, I would argue Rand Paul would be one. Uh, I would, as a, you know, if Rand Paul runs as a Republican for the nomination, I would vote for him. Uh, so would I. Uh, but do, do, is there anybody else that that has any any name recognition that that could be a, a uh, legitimate candidate? Uh, some say Mike Lee, and I've heard a couple of others uh, thrown out. Uh, Mike there. Lee, yeah, yeah, a couple of other names. But you've got to. Voters are the ones that need the courage to say, privatize Social Security, privatize Medicare, get the government out of Medicaid, bring home the military. It's voters who have to recognize that these steps have to be taken. Uh, and then yep. and only then will will we stand a chance. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think an another thing that I wish we would stress more is everybody's always complaining about who should pay the taxes, the rich or the middle class. I wish there was a lot more concentration on the amount of spending than where we get the money. Well, both actually are important. Yes. Um, you know, I want wealthy people to have all the money that they've earned available to invest in future technology uh, and, and uh, creating new goods and services. I want them to be able to do that unfettered by government taxation. Does that drive the economy? Yes. Yes. All right. Hey, okay. Thank you. Dave, thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Biden is really struggling. And Democrats, well, they appear to, to be abandoning um, some swing states. Details coming up next. Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 1050. Glad to have you with us. Coming up, uh, the news god from Zimmer Radio is going to join us uh, in just a few minutes, about 11.05. Uh, talk about a, a murder trial, and we'll get to that with him. In the meantime, uh, according to PJ Media, Biden, Camp, and Democratic donors appear to give up on key 2024 swing state. We're talking Georgia here. Apparently, uh, they're, they're not sending them the money. The signs are all pointing to uh, problems for Joe Biden in 2024. Um, if you need some convincing that there are some problems there. Apparently, uh, the Biden campaign and Democratic donors aren't willing to throw much money at resources to keep Georgia in their side of the, you know, of the political aisle. The national money that once flowed freely from Democratic groups to help win pivotal Senate contests in Georgia has been slow in coming. Leading organizers just over a month from the anticipated start of their initiatives to mobilize voters for the presidential election say they're confronting a deep sense of apathy among key constituents that will take even more resources to contend with. So they're, apparently the, the, the people in Georgia are not happy with their representation. They're not happy with Biden. They're not happy with the economy. And it's going to take a lot more money to keep them in the Democrat uh, uh, camp. 
And instead of getting more money, they're getting less money. So, you know, this this could have an immense uh, impact on Joe Biden. We already know where Biden stands in the swing states. And frankly, just about any Republican is going to beat him. Just about any Republican is going to beat him. This guy has a record that is indefensible. Literally, it is indefensible. And I listen, I listen to the Democrats all the time. I listen to them. I watched, there was a Fox News Sunday yesterday uh, as uh, the, the head of the uh, administration's economic advisors was on uh, uh, Fox News Sunday talking about the state of the economy. And they distort um, and, and try to convince you not to believe your lying eyes. But I, uh, you know, I don't think Americans are going to buy into it. And I think Biden is actually going to help create his undoing um, by uh, not having his ballot uh, for the primary, uh, not having his name on the ballot in New Hampshire. He runs the risk of giving momentum to his Democratic opponent, who is just a member of the House. He's like a nobody. But he'll get some attention if he wins in New Hampshire. We'll see how that all uh, plays out. But I think, I think Biden is not going to be the nominee. I just don't see how they can do this. And the real problem, then, is who goes next? You, you can't put Harris up. Harris is more underwater than Biden. She has been absolutely useless. Even in terms of tasks that Biden has assigned her, she has failed miserably. So now the Democrats have to decide whether they're going to take a, a, a biracial woman, a black woman, who is, you know, who would normally be next in line to be the candidate. They're going to let a woman who has uh, numbers that are so underwater. Head the ticket if Biden drops out. If they do, it just spells greater doom. You know, her cackle, her inability to answer questions, uh, just really make her an incredibly vulnerable candidate. So what are they going to do if Biden drops out? Are they going to bounce her? That's going to cause a lot of internal uh, uh, fighting in the Democratic Party. And they're already ripping themselves apart over the support for Israel. And it's, you know, it's not even, it's not even that uh, you know, they're in favor of um, supporting or, or not supporting Israel. It's that they want Israel to stop going after the uh, the Palestinians that attack them. And by the way, I got to tell you, this deal that the Palestinian that uh, the Israelis made, it's it's you know I don't know if it was pressure from the administration. Uh, I've seen Israel make bad deals in the past. This is not a good deal. This is not a good deal. War is hell. You can't. Fight a politically correct war and win it, especially when your opponents 
aren't playing by the same rules. If it's true, as I believe it is, that these Palestinians went into Israel and killed infants and women and, and uh, needlessly went after uh, the, the residents, not the military, they have no qualms about killing innocent people. You can't expect Israel to play by a different set of rules where she cares about whether or not innocent people are killed. We bombed the snot out of Nazi Germany and Japan. There was no politically correct war. Innocent people died. And that's, that's, how, that's the only way Israel is going to win, is if they fight by those same rules that the Palestinians are using. Otherwise... They're never going to put the fire out. They're never going to get rid of their enemy. Am I glad that some of these uh, hostages are released? Yes. But I would never have made the deal they made. I wouldn't stop coming after them. And I would, you know, my admonition to the Palestinians, to Hamas would be, if you harm them, there will be no mercy. You will all die. We will 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 crush, will crush every one of you. I would give them incentive to protect those uh, hostages by threatening to destroy them if they get if the hostages are hurt. And I wouldn't stop. That's how you fight a war. That's how you win a war. You bring them to their knees. In this three-to-one release of hostages versus uh, uh, terrorists, this is insanity. I can only assume that Israel has some other trick up their sleeve, that they, they have some other way of, uh, of, of executing this, uh, this, uh, this exchange in this war. But based on what I'm seeing, this is not the way you win. You know, these you know these people who are arguing for mercy did they did, did did somebody tell Truman don't drop the atomic bomb on Nagasaki and Hiroshima because it was just unfair did anybody argue with Roosevelt when they started and the Allies started bombing the snot out of Germany and say oh innocent people are being killed pulled back no, that's not how you win. All right, a murder trial and the news god, Brian Houseworth, coming up next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show 